0: Hey everyone, Latina Barbie here. Why did I start this podcast? Well, because I'm too lazy to write a book. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's episode is Latina Barbie on death. But just before you're going to tune off saying, I don't want to listen to an episode about death, there's so much turmoil going on in the world right now, and now Latina Barbie wants to talk about death. It's not just death, it's more about the people in my life who have passed, some great stories. I wanna honor each person individually, and then at the end, just some things that have been on my mind lately, and of course, the things that I still need to get done. So I'll start with my tata. Um, This is the father of my mother, and for as long as I can remember being a young child, I believe I was in high school, Uh, My Tata, we used to call him Tata Fito. Just imagine like this older looking, I was going to say Italian, but he actually had like more of a Sicilian look. And the reason why I don't quite know where he came from was because he was adopted. But if you were to look at him in old pictures, you'd be like, oh my God, the guy's totally mafioso. A really good looking guy. He actually lived right next door to my Nana. It's the weirdest dynamics. They had been divorced forever, a very... I guess, abusive relationship between the two of them. But yet they ended up living right next door to each other. So go figure that one. I remember going to visit him on the weekends. We would actually plan to go see my nana, of course, his neighbor. And like we would go to visit him on a Saturday or Sunday just for like an hour or two. And the one memory, of course, you're going to laugh because this is all about the food. He would always take out this big box of potato chips, like Lay's potato chips. It was the smaller bags, you know, back then when they actually made small bags instead of the big bags now. That was like his way of just I think that's pretty much all that he could give at the time was a bag of potato chips. I remember going into his his house and it was pretty much like on cement, but there was just something super cozy about it and I we would go over there my brothers and I and go see my tata, Fito, and he would be all cozy in a sweater with a scarf around him because it was kind of always cold in there. Um, And then fast forward, I didn't get to see him a, a whole lot because I just got busy. I was, you know, 15, 16, and I didn't get to see him a whole lot because as I grew up, we didn't go to Brawley is where we were going to visit him. I do remember that he got lymphoma. And towards the later years of his life, he was making his way to every son and daughter. There was nine of them. My mom is the oldest of nine kids. And I remember him coming down to San Diego, living with us for a couple of weeks. At the time, I didn't really quite understand what was going on. I've just, you know, I just figured Tata was just making his rounds. But in hindsight, I kind of feel like my Tata was saying goodbye in some way, shape or form and being able to see the grandkids one more time. I have a feeling I might be tearing up during this whole episode. So hang in there with with me, guys. So yeah, he ended up passing away in his sleep at my tia Olga's house. The weird thing is, and I'm sorry if you don't believe in this, I do. He didn't have a really good relationship with one of my uncles, my Theo Jr. And I think my Theo Jr. was working at some electrical plant or something like that. And I do believe in this, that on the day that, the, actually probably at the very minute that my tata died, the plant where my uncle was working, all the lights shut off. And to work at an electrical plant and have the lights turn off was kind of unheard of. I want to believe, and I still continue to believe, that that was my tata saying goodbye to my Theo, who he hadn't spoken to in several, several years. So that was my tata, Fito. Then on my, my dad's side... Uh, My dad had a younger sister, my tia Lili, and she was as glamorous as they come. I mean, we're talking, always had her makeup on. She always, um, she was in a wheelchair all of her life. You know, that didn't stop her. She was just like a total diva. She always had like the great car. I think she was driving like a red Cadillac at the time. And, you know, she was the nucleus of the family, meaning no matter what time of the day you went over, she was always in the kitchen. There was always a big pot of beans. I can't remember the lotion. It was this kind of liquid. It was pret. Uh, it was some Neutrogena lotion. It was like or uh, green. It was green. It has a smell to it, and she always had it on. It was like an after shower type of deal, and that was a smell that I could remember. Never in a bad mood. You know, just always like the nucleus of the family. That's pretty much how she was. I remember one story. She, she and I, and my cousin, Melissa, we went to Mexicali and we were at this place called Dorian's. It was a huge, um, shopping market or shopping center. And I told her, I go, tia, Thea, let me, let me back up the car for you. I think I had just gotten my per- or maybe never even got my permit. Cause you know, in Mexico, everything goes, And instead of hitting reverse, I hit drive and her car jumped a curb and hit a little tree. And it was, I mean, it was the funniest thing, but she didn't get mad. That was my tia Lili, no matter what, like she was that one that would sort things out and you can go to her for anything. I remember when she contracted, um, it was lung cancer, which was really shocking because she didn't smoke. And in fact, I just got off the phone with my dad and I didn't really even know how she passed away. I just figured she was always in a wheelchair. She was always going to have some type of complications or something, maybe from, I don't know, she was always in the hospital beforehand about not having a banana because it was something about her potassium was always low or something. Yeah, my dad just finished telling me that he remembers that my Thea had called him collect and first apologized for calling him collect. I don't even know why she would have, but she called him collect and told my dad that she had gotten lung cancer. And my dad just right now was just, I don't think I put him in a really good mood. Just remembering that when my tia passed away. Oh, let me tell you when my tia passed away, I'll never forget because, um, I think if you listen to my childhood episode, you know, I slept with my mom from Tuesday through Friday because my dad was living in Mexico during the week for work. I remember the phone ringing And, uh, my Tia Lili was like in Spanish, you know, asking for El Nino, El Nino. Well, El Nino was my little brother. I mean, she, she just doted on my little brother. And what I remember is that everybody was already around my Tia Lili's, uh, bed saying goodbye to her. And she wanted to say goodbye to my little brother. So once we woke up, my little brother, like in the middle of the night so that my Tia Lili could just hear his voice, I think she passed away about an hour later. The big thing about this was my Nana Kika asked me to do my Tia Lili's makeup for her for the viewing. And I felt scared at first because I didn't know what to expect. Like I've never applied makeup on, I hate saying a dead person, but a deceased person, a body. I went and I had the face makeup on her and it wouldn't move. Like you can feel it. I can still feel it on my fingertips. Like imagine putting some base makeup on someone's face and only the skin on top moved because underneath was like rock hard. It was the weirdest sensation that I can still feel now. But I did her justice. Man, she looked beautiful lying there in in her casket for the viewing. And um, then her her funeral, oh my gosh, her funeral was like crazy sad and crazy celebration. And they had mariachis there. They were singing um, Amor Eterno. Which if you've never heard it or can get it translated in English if you if you don't know Spanish, which is fine. <laughs> um, it's a called it's it's a song called Amor Eterno and it translates into eternal love. After we had her funeral, my dad, who was like they were like best friends, my tia Lili, my dad, for the following year, you know, my dad would and this is something I do believe in you guys, the song Amor Eterno would turn on the radio. I I shit you not. What I'm about to tell you, you're going to be like, no freaking way. But I'm telling you, my dad would turn the radio off if that song came on. The radio would turn back on. Turn back on. That's not all that Thea Lili did. Uh, There used to be a little 13-inch television in the kitchen. And in the middle of the night, the TV would turn on. That was Thea Lili. I I have to believe in things like that because I I don't want to ever feel like people are forgotten. And I think people have a way of making sure that they're not forgotten when they pass on. So that was December of 97. And then we had a good 10 years of, I didn't have to go to a funeral. It wasn't that time, anybody being taken away in my life. And I never really even thought twice about death again until November of 2007. Okay, so I have a friend, Ria. And I had known her since sixth grade at Black Mountain. She was this most beautiful, I have a feeling, I think she was Polynesian. She was a friend that we really reconnected after I moved to LA because of our, my best friend, Dawn, one of my best friends, I must say that. (laughs) And uh, Ria was married to a cop and had a daughter, Alexis, and another daughter from her recent marriage. What's important is Rhea McMadry. So I remember her birthday is in April, the same month as mine. And we used to hang out a lot. In fact, it's so weird because it took me moving to LA to start hanging out with her because I would see her a lot through Dawn. It was funny. And we would, I remember one time I came down. So our, our, our good friend Dawn, um, she had gotten engaged. And because Rhea was in the middle of selling her house, She had keys to her house. So I remember driving down from, I was living in Sherman Oaks. I remember driving down and I met up with Rhea. She came by my mom's house and came and got me. And now we're like, I can't even remember how old we were, 2007, I can't remember when Don got married, but just imagine we're driving over to Del Mar. We like literally get into Don's house. And before that, we went into this, like this sex shop called uh, F Street. That's right. F Street. It was on Miramar, Miramar Road. Rhea and I went in there and we got a bunch of toys, just crap, you guys, like just stupid stuff. And we got into Dawn's house and we filled her bedroom up with all these things. Like it was like as if F Street exploded in Dawn's bedroom. And um, it was so much fun. Another thing with Rhea and I was um, she would always say, you know, if you're going to come down from L.A., let's go have coffee like on the DL right? Like, don't tell anybody else that you're coming into town because she wanted to make sure that she and I can like have coffee. That was my Rhea. We went to Hawaii together to see my friend Don get married. We just had the best. It was always just fun. It was always very light and fun. And I mean, you talk about a girl who just can make you smile. I mean, she walked into a room and the minute you heard her talking, you're like, this girl is, she's just too much. <laughs> I remember back in November of 2007, I was having lunch at a Panda Express with one of my other friends, Laura. I was in L.A., and I remember uh, Don calling me, and we had just sat down to eat. And Don said, hey, Elle, I've got something to tell you. And she was crying, and I thought right away it had to be been apparent, right, because they're older, and they pass away before we do, or at least they're supposed to. And uh, Don told me that Rhea had passed away, that she had gotten in a car accident, and her and her oldest daughter, Alexis, um, had gotten in a car accident. Her husband, James, was driving a big dually truck. And they were just coming back into town from, I think it was Utah. They are looking at some land. And they hit black ice. Okay, first of all, I live, born and raised in San Diego. I didn't even know what black ice was. So Rhea passed away. And right away, I left my lunch. Such a downer. It was so weird. Like, I still... Sometimes I remember that that day and I'm driving down from LA right away, basically just to go to Dawn's house because I, I wanted to be with somebody. And I remember making a lot of phone calls. It was almost like I realized that misery loves company and I wanted to let the world know that my friend Rhea had passed away. Uh, so that was Rhea. I remember going to her funeral. Oh, it was so beautiful. It was in Poway. It was beautiful and... It was just really hard because, you know, she was my age. I mean, she would have been in my wedding party. So, um, yeah. Oh, but let me tell you a story about Rhea that I know she was still around. So Rhea at the time was a real estate agent. She was partnering up with this other real estate agent. Her name is Caroline. Well, along the lines of, I believe it was 2012, maybe, we were working with Caroline she's a real estate agent and we were looking my husband and I were looking to purchase a house now he, just listen to this I had a cell phone and the cell phone was a newer phone meaning it was past 2007 it was probably just maybe a couple months old and I remember typing in a text to another friend of mine Chandra letting her know that we had found a house and everything. And without really looking at my phone, I'm just, you know, texting away. I hadn't sent it yet. And all of a sudden I looked down and Rhea's name popped up on my text. And I'm telling you, I truly believe that. And I had never typed her name into my cell phone because it was a newer phone. And obviously I was never going to text Rhea. (laughs) So Rhea's name popped up. It was almost like a spell check. And Ria's name popped up on my text, and I looked at it, and I showed my husband. I said, "Ria's g- giving us her blessing on this house because it was, it was her partner Caroline that sold us the house. And if Ria had been alive, it would have been Ria selling us this house. So, again, I'm telling you, Ria shows up. <laughs> she still shows up now and then, but I gotta have to look a little harder. But she's around. Then I have my other grandfather, my Tata Guerrero, which is my dad's dad." And I remember him because he was always like tired. Every single time we would go to Calexico to visit him and my Nana growing up, he was always, he he drove a bus for the, the farm workers out in Imperial Valley and always had a cowboy hat on. He was the epitome of your macho, you know, Latino, you know, long story short, he had gotten up in his years, him and my Nana, who I'll talk about next or in a couple of people, (laughs) uh, They shared a room in a convalescent home, and then he ended up being taken to a San Diego home because he had gotten some more complications. He pretty much just passed away, I think, because of his health problems and stuff. But the weird, the funny and weird thing is, the convalescent home called us, like, let's just say, like, on a Friday and told my dad that his father had passed away. So, of course, my dad calls me. I cry. My tata's now passed away. And then about two days later, they realize it wasn't my tata that passed away it was his roommate. (laughs) So I'm like, what? Like, what happened? Like, first of all, I thought, what? (laughs) Anyways. And that was maybe like a year before he actually did pass away in October of 2011 when, you know, we got another call saying, we know it is, you know, Mr. Guerrero is the one that passed away. And so then we had a proper burial for him and everything. And, It was like, okay, okay. Like now we were able to properly mourn. (laughs) That was just weird. So that was my tata. And as you can tell, I don't have too many stories about him. Just I wasn't very close to him at all. My Tio Marky. Tio, Tio for you all, it's uncle in Spanish. Tio Marky is the youngest of nine kids. My mom being the oldest. And I do remember growing up with him because when we would go visit them in Brawley, he was just... You know, he was young. He was, I think, he was maybe fifteen years older than me, maybe twenty. I can't remember. And just a really shy person. And I remember this because I don't ever remember having a girlfriend. You know, he he was like kind of just the baby of the family, and my nana treated him like the baby of the family. In fact, I think all of his older brothers and sisters treated him like the baby of the family. Now, I want to believe that alcohol was in place a lot because he was so shy and that was the only way that he could really open up talk or anything like that and I know there was drugs involved he was just somebody who got caught up in the wrong wrong crowd and I'll never forget I was a teenager and he called me one day asking me for money and I gotta tell you I laid it into him like to the point where how dare you call your young your your oldest niece and ask her for money Like, aren't you ashamed of yourself? Like, you're how many more years older than I am? Like, go get a job. I, You guys, I laid it into him. I don't know if that did some good or some bad, but I want to believe it did some good. But in the end, it really didn't. He ended up uh, getting, I think it's it's cirrhosis of the liver because he was an alcoholic. And the doctor told him, look, you you can be on the list to get a, a liver transplant, but you know, you got to stop drinking. What did he do when he went home? Yeah, exactly. He opened up a can of beer. At that moment, I told my mom, mom, you better brace yourself because Theo Markey is going to die. And that's what he chose. Now my Theo Markey also cared for my Nana. And I got to believe that the reason why he took care of her now, just so you know, my Nana has Alzheimer's. She's had Alzheimer's for about maybe 15 years now. And uh, so he took it upon himself to take care of her. I feel like he was taking care of her because she had always, always taken care of him. No matter what good, what bad, whatever trouble he was in. My Nana Olga was always there for her baby boy. And I feel now that the older age, he kind of had to reciprocate the, the, the responsibility of taking care of his mom. So he has cirrhosis of the liver and didn't really last too much longer. Um, I do remember he would call me. So when my Nana would get out of hand, I don't know if anybody knows anybody has Alzheimer's, but they can get out of hand pretty quickly. And he would always call me and then say, you know, call Nana and calm her down. So I would always call back, talk to my Nana and calm her down. And that was just a relationship my Theo and I had. Like We just had this really good communication. I'll never forget, though, when he passed because I was working in L.A. I was already was I oh, I was working. Oh, I was living in L.A. No, I wasn't. I was living in San Diego. I was working in L.A. for that day and something was just tugging on me. We all knew it was kind of towards the end because he had already been in the hospital. He was taken home kind of pretty much to just pass away and hospice was there all the time. And something was tugging on me. I'll never forget. I had spent the night up in L.A. the night before got up at seven o'clock or whatever went to work and about 9 30 i just felt you need to go you need to leave la and get back home to san diego so i went right to my mom's um they lived in a mobile home and i went right to the to the house and my two aunts were there in the living room uh talking to the hospice because what they wanted to do was transport my uncle to another facility me and my my cousin ricky i'll never forget we looked at each other and we're like he's not going to make it there's no way he's going to make a move like he was on his last breath, my cousin and I just looked at each other and said, you know, we can handle this. Let's get kind of like suited up because my uncle had hepatitis, whichever one was the bad one. And he had been coughing up blood at one time and, and his whole room was covered in plastic. So I remember going to my Theo by myself and I just told him, I said, Theo, just go, just, it's okay. Like, just let God take you, like do it now because they want to move you. I don't want you to be moved. You need to just go now. Like, let go of us. We're fine. Cousin walked in and, and we kind of looked and then at each other. Like, we knew what was coming. And the two hospice nurses walked to the back. And it, it all happened so fast where everybody's back in his room. And my mom was at work, mind you. And my my other Thea was, like, getting some groceries for the house or whatever. And we're all there. And one of the nurses said, he's about to take his last breath. I had never seen that. I had never seen somebody die in my whole life. And he just let out this big like And then he was gone. And it was so weird. It was like never seen that. So we made all the arrangements, all the phone calls. I called my mom and I said, "Mom, you have to come home. You know, the old Marquis passed away." I think that was the worst call that I had to make was to tell my mom that her little brother was gone. That was all I remember. And then fast forward to, I don't, I, I, of course, you know me, I want to tell the world because misery loves company. So I remember grabbing his cell phone. I was looking up all the names and calling, you know, and texting people and stuff and letting all my cousins know. I have about, I don't know, 25 cousins and I come from a very big family and I, came across my name and my name said, it said, and I'm going to tell you my name. My name is Elsa. And in the cell phone, it said, Elsa, sweet. And that was just like, oh my gosh. Like I knew he he and I had a special bond and that was in uh, 2012 that he passed away. Now let's fast forward to my Nana Kika. Oh, my Nana Kika. My Nana Kika is my dad's mom. And all I can remember going to visit her in Calexico was she was always yelling. Oh my gosh, the minute you would walk into my my dad's side of the family, it was yelling. It was almost as if nobody could hear each other because they were all just busy yelling at each other. They weren't mad. That's just how they communicated. So I like to blame that side of the family for when I start yelling and I don't yell. We just speak very passionately is what I call it. And my a geeka growing up, I... I remember talking to my dad about, like, just, you know, and, and, and I would tell you this, that if you have any living grandparents, ask them about their life because sometimes they're gone fast and you never really know where you get your your uh, your personalities from. I definitely have a lot of my Nakika, Although she was not a very warm person, she showed her love with gifts and money and that was the only way she really could. And I remember my dad telling me that when he turned 16, she like gave my dad a blank check and said, you know, go go get yourself a car. Now, you and I both know that a better story would have been she went with him. They bonded together over a car that they felt he could drive, but it wasn't like that. It was, here you go, go get a car, done. Uh, she had a stroke in her later years. Where To the point where she, when she had a stroke, she fell on the floor and knocked her head. She lost the side, her motor skill side of her brain. And of course, she got into a a, a convalescent home. Her and my that were roommates, actually. It was funny. And she lost the ability to speak. So when we would go visit her in the convalescent home, you can tell just by her face, she would always say, ta 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 ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. Now, of course, I translate that to, oh, I'm so happy to see you, my favorite granddaughter. Look who came to visit me. I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Whether she was saying that or not, who knows? But that's what I believe. Never forget the last time I saw her, uh, my husband and I went to go visit her. And they, they had her in a hallway. And she was in a wheelchair. And it was almost like they just placed her there like a statue. Like they just placed her there and like, just kind of like left her alone. And we went to go visit her and she, her eyes just like lit up. And I know she knows who I was and I know she wanted to just like, tell me that she loves me and everything. But all I got from her was ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And it was a little different this time, those ta-ta-ta's. And I said, you know, goodbye. And I think maybe a couple months or so, she passed away. And she passed away in 2015. And remember we're 2021 now, and I haven't had to go to another funeral. Thank God. So those are the people in my life that had been taken from me um, out of the six. And I'm looking at post-its, so I actually kind of like remember some key points that I wanted to tell you. One of them was somebody who I was super close to, Rhea. Everybody else, I was super close to them. I mean, they were family, but of the six people who have passed, five of them were family. And then I started thinking about like plans. Like what do I want my funeral to look like? I remember watching that movie Coco, that song Remember Me first. And I tell you this now. So if anybody questions, I have this on my voice. A couple things about my funeral. One is I want the song by Coco, Remember Me. I also want another song being played called Carnival, and it's by Celia Cruz, and it is like a full-on dancing song. I don't want anybody to be sad. I want everybody to know that I would be the one who's sad because I couldn't see you know, my nieces and nephews grow up. who okay, I'll talk about it in a second. I want an open bar. It has to be an open bar, everybody, because I want everybody to get wasted. Just a big celebration. That's what i want i want a lot of food a lot of drinks i would love it in this building um there's a building across the street from where i live there's a restaurant called ventanas it's an escondido and there's a room there um i would love to have it there because it's just it's like so pretty and big and beautiful you know hopefully if i if and when i pass it's it's i still have my face intact so of course i'd have to have a viewing and then i want to be cremated because honestly like who really wants? I don't want my husband to spend, you know, 15, 20 grand on a funeral. I mean, that's what we did on our wedding. So that was good enough. I I think about like how I would leave my husband if I go before him. I have a little black book. In fact, it says internet address and password logbook. And because I handle all the finances and the bill pays and everything, all my screen names, all my passwords are in there. And the reason they're in there is because I want to make sure that my husband has everything that he needs. Basically, I'm planning so that he's taken care of, you know, because of course I always tell him, I go, you know, honey, I go, "Uh, you better go before me because you're not going to be able to handle it if I pass on before you do. (laughs) I want to to believe that his life will stop if I die before he does. (laughs) You know, I just want to make every, make sure everything's in place. But um, the biggest thing that I want you to wa- walk away or take away from this episode is I didn't I hope I didn't make everybody sad because that was my problem was to be sad not yours. But think of those stories of the people who have passed in your life and just how they've made an impact in your life and how you probably still think about them. You know, I have this thing about like you know, how am I going to be remembered? The biggest thing that I could tell you is I need my nieces and nephews to know that their Thea is like the best thing in the world to those five people. I have uh, two nieces and three nephews. I was the coolest Thea for them. And then I, you know, they would always have fun with me. That's how I want to be remembered with my friends and family. It's a given, but sometimes our memory you know, begins to fade. And I just want to make sure that I spend as much time as I can with my nieces and nephews so that they know as much as they can about their Thea. So as I sign off, I just want to pose that question to you is, you know, how do you want to be remembered? And just making sure that your loved ones are taken care of so that they don't have to stress about anything. And of course, in true Latina Barbie fashion, I forgot to tell you one of the most important stories as to why I even did this episode. It was after Rhea's funeral that I realized how God picks his people to come up, you know, calls them home. Um, and whoever your higher power is, just stay with me for a second on this visual. I literally feel that God is behind a desk and he has two Rolodexes, one with everybody's name in it. And the second Rolodex has like reasons or, you know, how that person should pass. And he pulls a name, he pulls a reason, he gives it to his angel and he says, go get my child. And that's how he chooses who, what, where, when, and we never know why. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm Latina Barbie. Don't forget to subscribe and have the most wonderful day that you all deserve. Mwah!